This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Tony. This year, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, we are exploring the Gospel of Matthew. That is something that's happening for all those who follow the church lectionary, which is actually a worldwide set of readings that uh, many different churches follow. And the broader theme we'll be exploring that is how we encounter God in Christ as we recognise that this person of Jesus who entered a world that we can identify, a world in which we can recognise places and a time, but we recognise also that this was no ordinary person, that God was doing something life-changing, world-changing in the person of Jesus. As you would have uh, gathered from Fiona, the past uh, eight days we've been on a, uh, a journey, a holiday over to Sydney. We drove over um, and the journey itself was quite an adventure and we had uh, a whole range of experiences that uh, the three of us, Fiona, John and I, had. I mention that because when we come to reading the Bible... Sometimes we start with a blank page and we look at scripture and at the end we move towards, well, how does that speak into my world, into my experience? Other times, and this has been my experience in the last 12 hours since we return, we start with all our experience in our head, all the things that have been happening, the things that have been preoccupying us. And then we then go to the Bible and think, well, how does that speak into all those different thoughts and reflections and preoccupations? All by way of saying that, as I've been, uh, I did prepare for this a number of weeks ago before we went and tried to resume it last night when my brain was not functioning at all, uh, and again this morning, I want to make connections between those experiences and what we read in the Bible. Not because you may be interested in a whole travelogue of what we did last week. We're not going to have a whole travelogue of all those different slides and experiences, but just where they connect how this living word speaks into the reality of our lives. So I offer a few reflections on that, not so much so that you can know, you know how our week has been, but thank you for those who have, have been, uh, were in prayer for it. It was uh, a very wonderful, enriching, special week. But more so that you can reflect, well, how can I relate to those types of reflections and experiences? Is that in its own way true for me and my life? and where I find myself. So starting with a few of those reflections, and as uh, many of you know, uh, a significant part of that was the chance to uh, visit the graves of my parents. Um, the realities of COVID, I was not able to attend either funeral for my parents, and uh, that was uh, quite a significant um, area of grief for us as well. So... It was uh, a very significant moment just to be able to be still, um, to see their names and to just identify with the reality of their loss. And uh, with that, it is a moment that we shared together and to do so just quietly but also in a way in which we recognised and thank God 
for memories and for life that we continue to live and uh, uh, carry through that. I mention that partly because God is a God who meets us where we are. And we see that in the Gospel of Matthew, that God meets people where they are in the whole sweep of life's experiences. God is present. God accompanies us. And God, in that wonderful name, Emmanuel, God is with us. And that's something we certainly experienced. We also had an experience to, uh, for Fiona to go to the Welcome Wall, which is around by Piermont Bridge, close to where Darling Harbour is, is in Sydney. Uh, Fiona had known this for many, many years, that uh, the family, through her older brother, had included her parents' names on the Welcome Wall. Those who had arrived by migration, uh, they arrived in Australia Day, coming up later this week, in uh, 19... 62. I got it wrong last time, so I was just doubly checking that I got it correctly. And you can see a photo there as we spent some time with Fiona's uh, brother scanning of the arrival as they came down. And Fiona is the one with the sunglasses on, um, reached out as she made her entry. That particular gene has carried on into the next generation of the family line as well. But to see their names in print there was actually a very significant moment. And we recognise that God is a God who accompanies us on our journeys. And as Fiona's family came to Australia, because that's the brochure that turned up first, and our family eventually came over by sea as well in 1969, um, so our, our lines, our journeys began to converge. So reflected on those bigger, bigger realities of the various different moments that have led us to where we are today over time. And I also had a chance to uh, look at the photos in Fiona's brother's photo album. The one on the right is Fiona at a particular age um, and was struck by how just this week our granddaughter Hope had uh, insisted on having her hair cut short. And when I saw the two photos, I could see how the generations continue from one generation through to the next, and something of that joie de vie, that love of life, is reflected there in the smile as well. So we had a chance to reflect on generations, generations that come, generations that go, that are continuing. We find our identity against something that is bigger than any one of us. We are all part of a, have our roots, we have our families, we have our movements, and we have various areas in which parts of us continue on, whether through our immediate family or through the circle of friends and others that we have uh, shared life with as well. And then we came to... Uh, the, the journey was part of our adventure. We came back via Canberra, had a chance to go to the National Gallery. Um, and many of you know that I'm uh, very visual um, <laughs> Fiona had some time looking at the art things. John and I wandered around the art gallery and every second painting that I saw, John looked at me and said, is that going to be for a PowerPoint, Dad? Is that going to be for a PowerPoint? <laughs> John knows me very well. This is the one that really struck me, stayed with me uh, quite a bit. So, uh, uh, an artist I hadn't heard of, a female artist called Iso Ray, uh, born in Australia in 1860. It wasn't a large photo, 
but it was uh, a woman in the garden, 1898, that it was painted. But what struck me was the beautiful way in which the light has that quality to it. It was the emergence where that whole theme of, of shade and light and that Australian light in particular was becoming to the fore. And I just love the way in which that it's a very uh, nourishing light um, in the midst of the shade as well. And I was mindful at that stage, as John was asking me what was going to go on PowerPoint, um, that the theme of light and darkness is one that occurs in the passage we've just heard in Matthew's Gospel. Equally arresting was a display in the National Gallery of uh, Indigenous art. And there's one in which it talks about the theme of the cosmos and country. And that really made an impression on me, how the, uh, the Dreamtime stories and the uh, artistic versions of the Dreamtime story convey the, the interconnectedness of the sun and the moon and the stars and the cosmos and where we are, um, and in Indigenous art, almost invariably gathered in community. The, the whole symbolism of the gathering points was quite striking. And there was an artist, another female artist, uh, I hadn't heard of, and I must hear more, uh, Gulumbu Yangapingu. Um, and uh, she was born in uh, 1943, as you would see, died in 2012. But the vision that she conveys through her artwork is of the stars and the cosmos that uh, all interconnected us. And this is part of the world in which we inhabit if we stay and reflect on it. So, again, these images and thoughts and reflections were in my head as last night I reminded myself of the passage that we're looking at this morning. And I want to make some of those connections now. So as we are looking at the Gospel of Matthew, you're going to hear much more about this. So this is a very brief introduction. But uh, the symbol for Matthew's Gospel is customarily of the teacher. Mark's Gospel tells us that Jesus did a lot of teaching. It doesn't tell us as much about what he was teaching, just that he, that he was teaching. Luke tells us the parables. Matthew tells us a lot about the, the blocks of teaching that have come to us in forms that we now know as the Sermon on the Mount and uh, episodes like that. Matthew has a particular interest in how we are part of a bigger story. And he traces that by starting with almost the whole chapter of genealogy, Jesus' genealogy, the people who form his roots. And he has some surprising names amongst that genealogy, people that we would not otherwise ordinarily expect to encounter. So Matthew is really interested in how the, the generations come together within God's purposes, within God's plan. Another characteristic of Matthew that we don't find in the other Gospels is the phrase, this was to fulfill what was written. When we read the Gospels, we can read accounts of Jesus, what he was doing and what he was saying and teaching. But what's particularly distinctive about each Gospel is each of them, each Gospel writer is a narrator. They're trying to make sense of these stories and what was being passed on. And about 20 times, Matthew says, this that's going on, we need to see this is what was promised hundreds of years ago. 
And uh, when Matthew records the movement of Jesus, how he moved from Nazareth to Capernaum, up around the region of Galilee, Matthew says, wait on, didn't that, wasn't that a promise back in Isaiah? That this is the land where, where the servant, where the child will be active in doing God's purposes, the land of Naphtali and Zebulun. So Matthew is keen to identify what was happening in Jesus against all that backdrop of the Old Testament promises. And as I mentioned, Jesus in particular is presented with much of his teachings conveyed in Matthew's Gospel. So what are some of the themes that we can identify um, as we, we, the passage we had today is the, the commencement of Jesus' public ministry. A couple of weeks ago, we saw the, the threshold, Jesus' baptism, as he stepped through the threshold from his more private life into his public life. We saw, well, you would have seen last week, Jesus' temptations as he went into the, the desert and the testings and his resolute determination to be obedient to the word of God. And now we see in the passage we just had from Tony, Jesus commencing that public ministry. So some of the themes that emerge. We encounter a God in Matthew who meets us where we are across ages and cultures. We see Jesus modelling that in the way in which he moved around different villages and towns and who he saw where other people just ignored. We also see Jesus talking about it in terms of the vision of being a light to the nations, not just to a limited group. We will see as we explore Matthew further, a God who travels with us. It isn't just that we have individuals encountering God, but many of those individuals are journeying together. And God, in Christ, begins to gather a people who travel together on the way, on that journey. We see a strong emphasis in Matthew's Gospel that God, in Christ, is gathering a people in community. Next week we're going to jump into the Sermon on the Mount. It's what comes just next as Jesus sat down and gathered people and talked to them about a, a whole new counterculture, a whole new movement. You know that people do it this way, but I'm saying to you, no, do it that way. It's much better. It's a gathering not just of individual encounters, but Jesus said, don't just look me in the eye, in effect, he says, look at each other in the eye. How we relate to one another as family, as, as uh, rich and poor and our, all our different backgrounds. Jesus says, you together are the way in which God is at work in this kingdom. It's only in Matthew's gospel that Jesus talks about the church, the gathering of God's people. It's a special interest in Matthew. And we see that this gathering of a people is creating a movement in the name of Christ. A world-changing movement. A movement that can change societies and neighbourhoods and families and whole nations. And so we begin to identify ourselves as we also are now numbered part of that company. 
we also are part of this movement. And God is doing something profound, something that we may underestimate through this gathering in community, this movement in the name of Christ. So as we read it together in each other's company this year, we'll hear more about what God is doing in and through us, but also what we are called to be and to do. So these are themes that we will rehearse much more. But where I want to finish this morning is that theme of a people of light and life. God who breaks into the darkness through the sending of his son, the son who gathers a people, is a God of light and life and calls us to be light and life. Not just bringing some light in the midst of an overwhelming darkness, not just a light that seeks out what is otherwise lost, but a light that brings energy, that is exuberant, that is vital. Against that background, that backdrop, we can recall the big themes of light and dark. If you could do a whole series on light and dark, we were born in darkness into light. It's our whole birth experience. It's not one that is unique just to the Christian faith, but many different religions reflect on black and white, light and dark in a juxtaposition. It's a universal reality and theme. But we do recall, this is from last year, how the very Bible narrative opens with naming that darkness. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now, the earth was total chaos and darkness covered the deep. And the wind of God hovered over the waters. That's where it all starts. But that's not where it is now. That movement has brought a light and an energy. So we recognize that against that backdrop of a darkness that continues to hover over the deep, it's hard to read the news without having that perception. There's so much of it that is, that is uh, uh, cause for angst and anxiety. But in the midst of that darkness, God is at work. The Spirit of God swept over the face of the waters and things began to change. Now I have to say, as someone who grew up in Sydney, it's okay to visit. Not sure I'd want to live there. <laughs> the traffic is just crazy. You know... You could tell me where I was on the motorways because all the other cars were sort of that close. I was being the country driver. I said, what are you doing? I want to have a whopping great big space between me as cars are zipping in and out of the lanes and places and apartments going up anywhere and everywhere. In the midst of that, I was anxious. The pace of life in there was, was just, I found hard to struggle with. The driving was causing me to be anxious and stressful. Walking in the midst of crowds who are all looking in their phones and not looking where they're going was causing me to be anxious. So I felt wanted to say it through. The loss of neighbourhoods was causing me to be anxious. Street fronts and places with gardens are disappearing and towering blocks are going up where you just go in a, a lift and you... My brother was saying that it's about four or five occasions in the last two years he's met his neighbours... It's almost a surreal 
existence. And we met people in anxiety about finances and about all the things that are happening. And, and I recognise these are the realities that are part of the world that we inhabit. And those anxieties can overwhelm us. So it was great to come back into Adelaide and to come down and to see the census space. We love it in Adelaide. But it isn't just that contrast. It's more the sense that in the midst of that, these things can overwhelm us. That anxiety, that brooding darkness, a sense sometimes of foreboding. In the midst of that, we see the light of God's presence. We encounter God in Christ. And we are called into the company of God. Not just to discover that light, but to radiate it. Now, I'm just going to skip through these. I'm not sure why I put them in this particular order. But the, uh, the narrative tells us that Jesus was heading to the north, um, away from Jerusalem, down the bottom left-hand corner. You see where Jerusalem is. He heads up towards the Lake of Galilee, towards the, the top, into uh, mountain country. It's away from the city. He's very much in the rural areas. And most of Matthew's gospel, like Mark and Luke, takes place there. But the passage, the verse that Matthew highlights for us in that movement, he said this is part of that verse in Isaiah where God says this is where he's going to be at work, where the kingdom is going to break out, where light will come upon those who would otherwise be walking in darkness and that light will become life. We are called to be part of that light. Not just that we can experience it and find hope. But we're called as a people, as the community in Christ, to radiate that light. That's where I landed this morning when I was thinking, through what am I going to say this morning? Because Matthew's gospel is a one of hope and of purpose. As we are gathered, as we are pointed to, there is a better way to do things, to do life. There is better ways to gather community and to deal with resentment and grief and wrongdoing. There are better ways to offer forgiveness. We are also called to be outward looking, to be sent out. It's Matthew's gospel that commissions us to go and tell people, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Spirit, and I will be with you always. That is our journey for 2023 and beyond, to remind ourselves of those truths, to sit with it, to be energised by it, and to have that spiritual fuel pressing in and, uh, 